0: A good morning. Let us begin. Begin by thanking our responses for this morning. Sure to thank our Talmud Torah responses for the month of ER. Yonan and Shoshi Aaron for dedicating this month. and Nishmas their grandfather Yosef Ben Shmuel Aaron, Benjamin and Elise Wall of Netanyah Eretz Yisrael, in honor and loving memory of their friend and mentor Moshe Chaim Ben Tzvi Hirsch Zichron Na and their Dath Yomi sponsor for today Mrs. Tina Kaplan in commemoration of the eyesight of Dr. Ellis Levy Eliyahu Ben Reuven Efraim Halevi Zichron we hope they're in the merit of our Talmud Torah all of the Nishama will have an Aliyah and the families in Nechama. And I will say with that, let us begin. So we are picking up Emirat HaShem. So today's that is 66. And we are picking up, concluding the sugya of Piriyah V'Riviyah on Samechei Amin Bey's 65B. And we are picking up two four, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12 lines up from the bottom. My Hav Suppose if remember again, the Mishnah, outlined a fundamental machlokas. Are women michu yavos in the mitzvah of Piriah v'Riviah? Are they michu yavos in the mitzvah of having children? So the Tanakhama said the answer is no, only men and not women. And Rabbi Yochel ben said that both men and women are obligated. So the Gemara went through this machlokas a little bit and now we're trying to figure out, so what is the resolution? So was a very interesting Gemara. Tashma, Am Rabbi Acha Barachanina, Amr Rabbi Amrabi, Amr Rabbi Asi, so there was an episode. There was an episode that occurred in the shul in Kesari. So we'll say, now here's what happened over here. If you look at Rashi, Rashi says, Uvda Hava, asal Asalagarsha, the So the case in question over is as follows. Here was a situation: a woman came to Bezdin, and she essentially was suing for divorce. She was, you know, when I use the word suing, I'm using it loosely. She was suing for divorce. So she came to Bezdin and she said, I want a divorce and I want my k'suva. Why do I want a divorce? Because we haven't had children. So she's suing for divorce and the payment of her k'suva because she did not have children. So the Gemara says, now one second. Suva sama say now, Maisa, if she's not obligated in the period of Erivia and there's no compelling reason for the divorce, then why would she be entitled to a ksuva? The fact that she could sue for divorce and ask for her ksuva because they didn't have children would seem to indicate what? That women are obligated in the mitzvah of period of Erivia as well. To which the Gemara says, maybe not, maybe not. Duma beba machmas taino. Maybe we're talking about a situation ultimately of a woman who is suing for divorce and she's coming with a good reason. In other words, she's saying, yes, I want to get divorced because we haven't had children. And even though I may not be technically obligated in the mitzvah of Piri of Arivia, I'm going to tell you a reason why I need to have children. For example, There was a woman who came before Rabbi Ami, Amr She said, Tim, I've been in a marriage for 10 years and there are no children, and therefore I'd like a divorce. And I want my husband to pay out the k'suva. So he said to her, Rabbi Yami said to her, Sorry, you don't have a claim. You're not obligated in the mitzvah. You can't sue for divorce based on the fact that there are no children. You don't have a mitzvah of Piri of Amralai, um, really, she said to him, So she said to him, she said to him, What's going to happen to me in my old age? In other words, what she counterclaims is, you might be right. Maybe I don't have the technical obligation of peer of procreation. But I need children. Why do I need children? Who's going to take care of me in my old age? Who's going to take care of him? So what she's claiming over here is, right now this marriage is not setting me up to be cared for and taken care of in my old age. As such, I have a right to sue for divorce and ultimately get my k'suba. So the Gemara says, So Amar, when Rabbi Ami heard this, he said, You know what? In a situation like this, we would absolutely obligate the husband to divorce his wife and give her her k'suba. So will say, what do you see from here? What you see from here is that halacha lamaysa. See, we assumed like this. Here, in, in our mind, here was the math. Right? These are machlokis. Are women obligated in period of Arabia or not? If they are, if they are, then the same way that a man could go would it be obligated to divorce his wife after 10 years of no children and pay her her ksuv, right, and get remarried, a woman could do the same thing. In other words, will say, and, but let, let me tell you how this could come up. Let's say you have a situation where, let's say it's a sec- it's a second marriage for the man, first marriage for the woman. He has kids, so ten years later, ten years later, ultimately there are no children. If she's obligated in Pira varivia, she could then. I'm using the word su, but understand I'm using it like I'm using it loosely. She could sue for divorce, get her ksuba, say, "Listen, I have a mitzvah. We're not fulfilling it over here. Pay me my ksuba and let me go ahead and get divorced." And, and again, conversely, if she's not obligated in the mitzvah perivorivia she couldn't sue for a divorce based on the fact that there are no children. The Umar says well maybe no maybe there's another maybe there's another column over here. The other column is even if a woman is not obligated to have children she quote unquote needs children. Why needs children? So in this case where the Taina is who's going to take care of me in my old age. In other words that children represent a certain level of what we'll call an insurance policy for the children for, for the parent. So that could be a reason, even if she's not obligated, that would be a taino that would allow for her to sue for a divorce. Igmar tells another story. There was another woman who came before Rav Nachman, Amr and I was with the same thing. 10 years of no children, she wants to sue for a divorce. Amrlah, Lah, Nachman says to her, You're not obligated in the mitzvah. So because you're not obligated in the mitzvah, therefore, halacha lemaisa, halacha lemaisa, there's no need for you to go ahead and sue for divorce. And if you want to sue for divorce, who says you're going to be in to k'suvah? Um, really, she said to him, lo bayahach umar So this is interesting. So she, she responds back, does this woman not need a staff for her hand and a shovel for her burial? It's the same yesod. Who's going to take care of me in my old age who's gonna take care of me in my old age that that's that's the essence. we well say quite first of all it just happens to be a fascinating a fascinating idea over here about how mothers and fathers sometimes have different conceptions of the roles their children play when fathers look at their children fathers often see children as a vehicle to fulfill unfulfilled dreams Right? I had things I wanted to accomplish in life, I didn't get to accomplish them. Ultimately, again, my child is going to be the mechanism through which I actualize it, which, by the way, could be good and sometimes could be incredibly unhealthy when, when fathers especially try to drive their children in certain ways. Mothers, on the other hand, a mother is all-nurturing, right? A mother is all-loving. So the only expectation that a mother has of her children is what? I took care of you, you'll take care of me. I took care of you, you'll take care of me. That's the t- it's, it's such an incredible, incredible idea. I nurtured you when you were young. When I get old, I may not be self-sufficient. So all I ask is that you be there for me in my old age. And I will say it tells you another isod, that What's the obligation of a child? The obligation of a child is to be there for their parents in their old age. That, that 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 that's the other so You know, there's so much discussed in the postgame. There are some times when children can't care for parents, or children can't give their parents the level of care the parents require. In that case, there's certainly a mitzvah to outsource the care of the parents. But you see that the primary obligation to literally again be the walking staff for the mother, to be the support for the father ultimately is the schus of the child. So it's, it's a fascinating Gimara because it teaches you, number one, kind of how parents view their children and ultimately teaches us that the most awesome responsibility that a child has towards his or her parents in old age is to be that staff, is to be that staff, to be that staff, for walk, that walking staff, that support staff. Incredible. So the Gemara goes weiter. The Gimara says, Amar Kihov Vada So Rav Nachman said, interestingly enough, you know what? In this kind of case, the woman has a good title. she's saying good, and therefore in that type of situation, we would in fact force the husband to go ahead and divorce her and give her her k'suva so that this woman could move on, get married, and establish a family. Incredible. So Yehuda the this is an incredible story. Yehuda to umim hayu. Yehuda and were twins. So the Yimar says, Echa softisha, sheva. So interestingly enough, they developed in utero at different stages, right? One was, they were twins, but one was quote unquote fully formed at the end of seven months, one was fully formed at the end of nine months. how exactly this was they 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 assessed this, okay, leaving that aside. So what happened? Yehudis tevisud So Yehudis, Yehudis, the wife of Rabihia. So, we'll so, so just so we get the family right over here, Yehud and Hiskia were the sons of Chia. Sons of Rabbi Chiyah. Rabihia's wife was Yehudis. So Yehudis is the mother of Yehuda and Thiskia. So Yehudis, Rabihia's wife, Sar She had incredibly difficult pregnancies. We're gonna see she actually had, had two pregnancies. She had incredibly difficult pregnancies to the point that she did not want to have any more children. So look what she does. So she changed her clothing. And she came before Rabbi her husband, to ask a Shailah. So i say, this is just fascinating. So what does she do? She, she disguises herself to ask a Shailah from her husband. Because as wives of rabbis often know, right? The wife gets one answer and the community gets the rest of it, a different answer. So, so what happens? So she disguises herself. She comes to her husband. She asks him the following, Amra, is this some effect that period Varivia?" said, Rabbi Avishailah, right, ultimately again as a woman, is a woman obligated in period of Arivia, procreation. Amar lo, lo, He said to her, no. Said to her, no. Azla ashtio Sama akarta. She went ahead and she drank some concoction that made her sterile. That made her sterile. She said, okay, I got the, ps-. I asked my local Orthodox rabbi, right, I got my Pesach, women are not obligated. So she drank this thing that became sterile. The Rabbi Chia then found out what happened. Ah, oh, if only she would have given me one more wombful of children. Now, what did he say? He was lamenting. Look, he was lamenting that I wish we could have had a, just one more wombful. Now, why is he use of wombful? So I was say because, interestingly enough. Rabbi had two sets of twins: a set of twin boys and a set of twin girls. So Yehudin Chizki were the brothers and I'm sorry, and Pazi and Tavi were sisters. That's why he uses the lashon. Ah, oh, if only Yehudis would have given me one more womb full of children, then then that how wonderful that would have been. But I will say. I will point out something very interesting over here. Well, actually, let, let's let's finish let's finish the gemara, and then we'll come back to this because this notion this notion of a woman sterilizing herself is an interesting discussion in Halacha as well. We'll come back to that in just a moment. So the Imarts of fact is that true that women are not obligated in period of and procreation? <speaking in Hebrew> there was once a story, there was once an episode of a woman who was half slave, half free. We know. How do you have this case? How do you have this case? Excellent. Shutfim, <speaking in Hebrew> Two Jewish partners who own an Eved Kenani jointly, who jointly own an Eved Kenani. Ruvayn emancipates his part. Shimon doesn't emancipate his part. So you have someone who is half free, half slave. The problem, of course, with such a person is that Halacha Lameisa, well, is that Halacha Lameisa, they cannot marry. They cannot marry. So the Gemara says, So in this case, the beis forced Shimon, the remaining partner who still owned a part in the event to emancipate his shailek. So said, the Gimara assumes why did Baisdin force Shimon to emancipate his chilek. Look at Rashi. te muteres li So we assume the reason they forced Shimon to emancipate his part was so that the maidservant should be able to marry. Why she should she be able to marry? Because at of peri variyah, alma mefakda, you see from here that halacha l'maysa, a woman, is obligated in period of arivia. To which the Gemara says, no, that was for a different case. It was different there. It was different because she was acting in an immoral way or people were acting immorally with her. Because she was still partly living in the slave world, therefore halacha l'maysa, there was immoral stuff going on. In order to allow her to leave a life of immorality they force the remaining master to go ahead and emancipate her. So I both say, bottom line, a woman is not obligated in, a woman is not obligated in Piri Only a man has obligation of procreation, a woman does not. A woman does not. Now I say, the gemara threw in here what we call Sirus Isha, about what, so if a woman is not obligated in going ahead and perivarivia, is she permitted to, to sterilize herself? So, I will say that's a whole other discussion. Sirus Isha, a woman sterilizing herself, is still a halachic problem. So, this comes up all the time. Woman wants to have tubal ligation. Or again, in the times of the Gemara, they used to have this drink that would just sterilize. So, sirus, sterilization, is a different halachic issue that is independent of one's obligation for periovirivia. A woman is not permitted. To sterilize yourself. Obviously, if there are health-related issues or things like that, those are that's different. But Allah so we don't group the two together. So even though we pass in that a woman is not obligated ultimately in Pyravirivia and procreation, aloq so alamaysa the prohibition of cirrus, of sterilization, would still apply to her. Hajr allah, ha New sugya, really incredible, incredible sugya. Here we go. Almona the Kohen Gadol. Grusha the Kohen So will say, here's the case. You have an Amana who's married to a Kohen Gadol. Grusha v'chalutzah who are married to a Kohen Hedyoth. So obviously, I will say, illegal marriages. Right? Illegal marriages. Kohen is not permitted to go ahead and marry these women. I so will say, the Mishnah's focus over here is going to be something very interesting and very specific. Hichnisalo avde melog so say, listen to this. The question, and it's interesting that there's a Mishnah devoted to this, but the, the Mishnah's question is as follows. A Kohen, right, a Kohen eats truma. Not only that, family members of a Kohen eat truma. Not only that, people owned by a Kohen also eat truma. So in this case, we're dealing with a fascinating situation. A Kohen engages in an illegal marriage. Now remember again, I will say we pass in the Tov'sim Lavan which means that halakhah maysa halakhah maysa so even if you engage in an illegal marriage as long as it's only punishable by Allah the marriage works Asr, but it works what we're going to speak about in this mishnah is let's say the woman comes in with slaves with servants what's their allowance in terms of truma so there is an illegal marriage an illegal marriage but that that tech, not that technically that works in other words that works is that it's it's a it's it's a legally binding marriage. Do the slaves have the ability to go ahead and eat truma? Now, I'll say one more piece. The other piece is that in a marriage, there are two types of property that a woman brings into a marriage. What we call nichse malug, nichse Son barzel. Nichse malug, nichse malug is like the classic property, which means she brings it in. It's hers. It's hers. Husband has usage rights for the duration of the marriage upon the event of death or divorce, that property goes back to the woman. Now, whether there was a depreciation, appreciation, it doesn't matter. Whatever is left at the end of the marriage is what she gets back. For argument's sake, if there's nothing left, however that happens, she gets nothing back. So she retains title the entire time he gets usage. Nixayt son barzel, literally again, like iron sheep. It's called iron because you'll see why in just a moment. Nixayt son is like this. Woman, woman brings it into the marriage. Value of that property is assessed. Husband guarantees the value of that property upon death or dissolution of the marriage. So if that property appreciates, the husband gets that gain. Property depreciates, husband swallows the loss. But he has locked in the value of the property. Again, he, she, so she retains title, so to speak. He retains, he gets usage. But he's guaranteed value. He's guaranteed the values. Here we go. the coin yot avde If she brought in avde malog, right which I will say. So once again, those are slaves that she's going to retain title to. He is going to get usage of them over the course of the marriage, or son barzel, or for that matter, again slaves where he has guaranteed the value, and also has usage. Avde Malug lo be truma, So Avde Malug can't eat truma. Avdei son Barzal yocheilu. Avdei son Barzal are allowed to eat. Now, also, we're going to see, I'm going to tell you this outside I'm going to see in Rashi. The fundamental distinction is Avde Malug are considered to be whose property? The woman's. The woman's. Now, because the woman is in an illegal marriage with a Kohen, therefore, again, her servants don't get to eat. Avdei son Barzal, interestingly enough, in Halakha, are viewed as whose property? The husband's. Now the reason for that is since he guaranteed the value, essentially, they become like his. Even though, again, I also want to be clear, title never leaves the woman. But because he guarantees value, they really become his. And therefore, interestingly enough, they're considered to be like his avadim. Therefore, they could eat truma. Incredible. So the Gemara says, We will say, what's an example of avadimolog? In Mesu, for example, let's say the servants die. Mesula, she swallows the loss. Them Osiru, and if they appreciate, hosirula, she gets the appreciation. Even though Rabbeinu say, who's obligated to feed the slaves? Right, who's obligated to sustain them? The husband. The husband. Nevertheless, because ultimately, again, complete and full title resides with her, and loss or profit from the slaves. Resides with her, therefore they're hers. Because they're hers, she's in a legal marriage. And because just like she can't eat truma, her slaves can't eat truma. Conversely, ve'elohein avdei son barzel. What are avdei son Imesu The boss. Remember again, Avde son Husband guarantees the value. If they die, who swallows the loss? He does, right? Vimo And if they appreciate, he gets the he gets the appreciation. Therefore, hola vuchai you son hari elu Shalo. Here's what it comes down to, because he has the achrayis, because he has the complete responsibility for their value, therefore they are considered to be his. Because they're considered to be his, we look at them almost independently of the illegal marriage. And therefore, halakha lamaysa, yochlu they are permitted to go ahead and eat truma. I will say, let's take a quick look at Rashi. Tap Rashi in the Mishnah very quickly. Here, I, just want to, I want to show it to you inside. That property which a woman brings into a marriage and they assess the value of that property. And the husband accepts the achrayis for the value of that property. And we write it in the ksuba. I will say, by the way, to this very day, we write this in a ksuva. We write mi be'avua, mi be'inasha. Right, property that she brings in abosai. Now, in our contemporary ksuvas, we just ascribe an arbitrary value to this. Right, but in the times of the Gemara, times of the Mishnah, they would write the danedunya dan halusle mi be'avua, the property that she's bringing in from her father's home, and it's worth. Three thousand Zos, and we put that value in the k'suva, and the husband guarantees the value of that property. That's called nich Son barzel. V'mosif kinegdon, and sometimes the husband will also add on a corresponding part, the koseif sacha, kol kibel alof ploni kach bekach korin tzon barzel. Both say that's called Son barzel, tzon barzel, iron sheep property. She brings it in. We evaluate it, lock in the value, husband guarantees the value. Property goes up, property goes down, doesn't make a difference. Husband is locked into that value. The Mishnah views that almost as if it's the husband's property. Because he's taking complete, complete akhrayis. harbei kula Woman shares the atzma. Hey, nisim alug. So I'm saying, there's another type of property. Another type of property woman brings into the marriage. We're halachah la-ma'isa. We are halachah la we do not evaluate it. We don't evaluate it. And it's not even written into the k'suva, right? Woman retains full title. Husband gets to go ahead and enjoy usage. Hey, nisim alug. V'ba ochal peiros v'keren shalah. Right. Ultimately, again, the baal, the husband, enjoys usage. And the principle is hers. If they die, it's her loss. Impaksu paksula. Lashon so good. So Rabbeinu said that that's our introduction. Ultimately, again, Tzon Barzel and Nichse Nichse Tzon Barzel Nichse Malug. Incredible. Rabbeinu says go back to the Mishnah. Basi saw says the Cohen. So if a Basi saw a marriage, here's a case of a uh, of, of a legal marriage. Strange to come across this in Yevamah, right? This is a case of a legal marriage. A regular Bas Yisrael who marries a Kohen. Regular Bas Yisrael marries a Kohen. <speaking in Spanish> and ultimately, she brings slaves into the marriage. <speaking> in <Spanish> they to both say, whether these slaves are or they're permitted to eat truma. Why? Why? Well, I say, why? Because she's permitted to eat truma. I will say, remember again, the only reason in the first case in the Mishnah, While we are distinguishing between avadim, who are nich Mulog and nich seitzom Barzal is why? why. It's an illegal marriage, right? So remember, again, essentially what we say is, slaves who are her property can't eat truma. Because she can't eat truma. Right? It's an illegal marriage. Slaves that are looked at in halacha as his property, i.e. nich seitzom barzal, those can eat truma. All the Mishnah is saying is, in a typical case of a legal marriage... Rabbi Yisrael marries marries a marries a Cohen. Then I will say she's entitled to eat truma, and all of the avodim can. I will say for one simple reason, who's allowed to eat truma? Anyone, anyone. Ultimately, who is owned by a Cohen is owned by a Cohen. And in this case over here, all of the slaves come into a permitted marriage, and therefore they are all permitted to eat truma. Ubas Cohen. will say by the way, it, it is fascinating. I've always found this found this riveting. That you know, Am Yisrael, if I eat if I eat truma, there is a very severe penalty of Karis, right? a very severe penalty of misa. Yet, a slave owned by a kohen, right, a slave who, who's not who's not fully Jewish, who's not fully Jewish, is permitted to eat truma. It's fascinating. I will say, I think there's an incredible Moshe in it. What's the difference between me, right, and a slave who's living in a kohen's home? The difference is proximity to the kedusha of the Kahuna. It was that you see how powerful it is to live in proximity to kedusha, and the effect and the impact that our surroundings have on us. All too often in life, we think that it's only what we do, how we act and how we behave that creates the kedusha, the holiness around us. But our surroundings, eh, it doesn't matter so much, right? In other words, I, I, could, I could kind of divorce who I become from my surroundings. And it's not true the people we surround ourselves with, the situations we put ourselves in have a direct impact on who and what we are. Vaharaya, an Eved Kenani who lives in the home of a Kohen, a Kohen who is the, the paradigm of day-to-day Kiddusha. An Eved Kenani who lives in that home, he's impacted by that. And to a certain degree, he's impacted in ways that I, a Yisrael, am not. And because he has that impact of constant and consistent proximity to kedusha, he's permitted to teach Ruma and I'm not. Now, of course, there's a technical reason, but you see the incredible power of putting yourself in an atmosphere of kedusha. Incredible. So last case in this is the opposite case. This is a Basque Koen. Remember again, when she was living in her father's home, she was able to teach Ruma. Now she, I don't want to say she married down, but she married down, right? She married Yisrael. She married Yisrael. Basque Koen, she Israel, Yisrael. and she brings slaves into the marriage. Ben avdei ben said, these last two cases are very intuitive, right? so we're talking about a legal marriage of, let's say, Bas Yisrael to a Kohen. All the avadim, can eat truma if a bascoin was bringing in slaves. So also remember again, those slaves when she was single were eating truma because she was they were part of her father of her father's home. Now she's marries Israel. Obviously they cannot continue to eat truma. Incredible. Good. So we'll say let's go back. It says the Gemara, the malug lo Am I? So we'll say let's go back. Let's go back to the first case, right? So we'll say. The first case in the Mishnah, first case in the Mishnah, you have an Amana Manga Kohen Gadol, illegal marriage, illegal marriage. She's bringing in avadim, so you're say that's a little bit of Chazara. Can the avadim eat truma? in that first case, can the avadim eat truma? I'll give you a hint, we learned it 90 seconds ago, right, so you're say, the answer is it depends, it depends on what type of avadim, right, remember again, Nichsei Melug cannot eat truma. Why? Because remember again, from the Mishnah's perspective, they're considered to be whose property? Hers, right? And because she's engaged in an illegal marriage, therefore they can't eat. Nichsei Av Tzon Barzel can eat truma because they are considered to be his property. So it says the Gemara. I don't stand. Why can't Avdei Melug eat truma? We'll say, in the case of an Ammonah bringing in avde Malog into the marriage of the Kohen Gadol, even the avde Malog should be permitted. Why? Listen to this. lehavi ki kinyono shekana we we'll say, listen to this. This should be like the case of an acquisition, which acquired an acquisition. right? Literally, someone who was acquired by the Kohen, who acquired someone in return. And that is this sign. We'll say, here we go. in the say shenase isha kana avadim shiyoch We'll say, how do I know about a case of a coin who went ahead and married a woman, right? And she acquired Avadim, that those Avadim are permitted to eat Truma. Shelemar, the coin, kiknen nefesh, kinyan kaspo, who Yochalbo. Because we'll say the Possig says, if a coin will acquire someone, right? Kinyan kaspo, kinyan through kasef, acquiring someone, rabbos monetarily, ultimately again allows them to eat Truma. How do I know that if the woman went ahead and acquired Avadim or Avadav Shekanu Avadim? What's the interesting case? You have some entrepreneurial uh, Avadim Kinanim who themselves purchase Avadim, who themselves purchase Avadim, right? How do you know that even slaves purchased by slaves? Suppose I have Avadim Kinanim, I have Avadim Kinanim, whatever the mechanism for doing that is, how do I know that ultimately, again, those slaves purchased by my slaves also have the ability to eat truma. the coin, shekona Ultimately, again, even someone I own who acquires someone else is also permitted to eat truma. So we'll say, it creates the following picture, which is someone who is related to a coin, obviously eat truma. someone who is acquired by a coin, which so will say, by the way, includes wife, why does it include wife? Because halacha l'maysa, a wife is also acquired during kiddushin. So a wife is permitted. My eved is permitted to ruma because my eved ultimately, again, is halacha king and kaspo, right? and kaspo. And not only that, but even if my eved acquires someone, that person who my eved acquires is also permitted so I'm about to yitruma. So i say, if that's the case, what, what, what picture does that paint? What picture does that paint? That anyone who is financially linked to the coin at the end of the day is permitted to eat Then I both say, is there a financial linkage between the coin and the avde malug that his wife brings into the marriage? Absolutely. Why? Because the coin has complete usage. Does that not check the box of king and Kaspo? And if so, should allow even the avde malug to eat Truma? Such a good kasha, such a good kasha. To which the Gemara says, to which the Gemara says, say, yeah, okay, we're not going to get some the technicalities in this case, we'll go back there. To which the Gemara says, So we'll say, that's true, but there's another principle. Principle number one is that well, principle one is if you're related to a koin yedin Shuma. Principle two is if you're owned or enjoy a financial relationship, right? But it's what we we'll call owned by the coin you eat truma. Not only that, but if you're owned by someone who's owned by the Kohen, you'll also eat truma. But I will say there's one more piece. It is only someone who themselves who are eating truma who could enable someone else to eat truma. So for example, when we speak about the case of an Eved who buys an Eved, an Eved who buys an Eved, right? So therefore again, that second, that bought Eved, that, that second Eved who's now owned by another Eved, he could eat truma. That's true. When that's true. When when the purchasing eved has a right to eat truma, but if the purchasing eved can't eat truma, then obviously he can't pass down that right to an eved who is eating. So therefore, again, Abosai, once we establish that avadim of Malog cannot eat truma, or, or once we establish ultimately again that even the wife in this question can't eat truma, then obviously the eved won't be able to eat truma as well. Incredible. So the Gemara goes after right the Gemara says, "Is that true? Is that true that only someone who could eat truma could go ahead and pass that right on to someone else?" V'hari orel, the cholat Shinan ochlen umet achilin. said, "Listen to this case. This is fascinating. Look at Rashi. R L. Rashi says, Rashi says, RL, kohen R L eno ochel the listen to this. Let's see. You have a kohen who is uncircumcised, or a kohen who is tummy for that matter.'" Rabbah said these are cases. Could a coin who is an Aurel or a Kohen who is can eat Truma? No. Yet Rabbah said, who can eat Truma? Their servants. Isn't that fascinating? So you see over here that what? Even if you can't eat yourself, Lemaisa, you could enable someone else to eat Truma. So why don't we say, so, so the, the Gemara says? So therefore, again, la Lemaisa, you could have a situation where even if the wife can't eat, the Avde Malug. Right? I will say again, we're not talking about the Avde Son barzel. Why aren't we even talking about the Avde Son barzel? Why are we why aren't we discussing them? Because again, the Mishra already said they're considered to be like the real property of the husband. Why? Why? Because he's on the hook for their value. So therefore, they're like the real property. The question becomes in the avde of the Avde Malug. So again, we're looking at those as the property of the wife. So because they're the property of the wife, she can't eat, therefore they can't eat. What the Imam is saying, why? I don't understand. Those above them enjoy a financial relationship with the husband. If so, they should be permitted to eat. So the Imam is suggesting, well, no, because their owner can't eat, therefore, again, they can't eat. To which the Imam is challenging that. That's not true. Sometimes, sometimes the primary individual, the, prim- the primary enabler of truma consumption can't eat but yet, again, they can still convey the right for Truma consumption to another person. For example, the coin is an Orel. The coin is Tame. He can't eat, yet his avodim still can. not Which means that's not a good comparison. I'll tell you why. You know what? When the coin is an Orel or the coin is Tame, you know, what we consider that to be like, that's like a coin who has a bad toothache. Right? If the coin has a bad toothache, he's not eating Truma. He's not eating Truma. And we'll say, why isn't he eating chuma? Because he has a circumstance which is precluding him to eat. So we'll say, that's how we view an aral and a koinus tame. They, technically speaking, have an entitlement. There is an impediment to their consumption. The impediment is the foreskin, the, 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 the arla. The impediment is the tuma. But the mice, again, we view them as being entitled to eat. Okay, vahari mamzer. What about the case of a mamzer? So we'll say, this is incredible. Shein ochel umachil. We'll say, a mamzer on one hand, obviously can't eat truma, but yet a mamzer enables others to eat truma. We'll say, now how does a mamzer enable others? This is a pretty wild case. Look at Rashi, Bari mamzer, right across. Right across. To which the Gemara says, Basi saw listen to the case. Basi saw marries a coin. Bas, they have a daughter. niseis Mamzer and the daughter marries a Mamzer right? Illegal marriage and now daughter and Mamzer husband they have a kid They I will say what's the nature of the what's the status of a child who is the product of a regular woman and a Mamzer? Mamzer, right? Mamzerus has passed down and I will say now watch this Umesa. now the daughter dies and now ultimately the Mamzer grandson is still alive this It's actually a pretty wild case. So let me just illustrate this for you for just a moment. We'll call her Basiswa. marries a Kohen. Okay, Basiswa marries a Kohen. They have a daughter. Okay, good. Daughter marries a Mamzer. Right? They have a son. We'll call him now Little Mamzer. Right? So now Little Mamzer is there. Right? Little Mamzer is there. So, so now what happens? Now what happens? The Kohen, the Kohen, grandfather of Little Mamzer, dies. So we'll say, so now watch this, when a woman, now the problem, sorry, one, one step beforehand, daughter dies, daughter dies first, great daughter dies first, now we'll say what happens, then Kohen, Kohen, grandfather, dies. Now we have Bas Yisrael is a widow, we'll the Rosh the is as follows, Bas Yisrael, that's a widow, if there are no children from her kohanic husband, she is not entitled to Rumah. if she does have children from her kohanic husband, that enables her to continue to eat truma. In this case of her daughter died, but who is still alive? Who's still alive? Little Mamzer. We'll say, listen to this. The existence of Little Mamzer allows her to eat truma. Now, we'll say, isn't that incredible? When Little Mamzer comes over, is he allowed to eat truma? No. Little Mamzer is a Little Mamzer, right? Kishmo Kane Hu, right? And therefore, again, he is not allowed to eat truma. Yet, i we'll says, say, something amazing happens. The existence of Little Mamzer allows or enables his grandmother to continue to eat truma. Wow, what a case. So what do you see from here? You could have someone who himself is unable to eat truma, right? And yet what enables someone else to eat truma? So once again, the Gemara says, I understand the woman in this case, the almana who's married to the Kohen Godel, she can't eat truma. But why wouldn't she enable her Avde Malug to eat truma, Or why wouldn't the marriage enable the Avde Malug to eat truma? To which the Gemara says, To which the Gemara says, So the Gemara says, Someone who is a Kinyon is able to go ahead and Kinyon o'chel kamar, Kinyon o'chel ma'achil. She'ina o'chel, So we'll say, comes along Ravina,' And Ravina says like this, the reality is as follows. Someone who is acquired and has the ability to eat has the ability to convey that right to someone else. But someone who is acquired and doesn't have the ability to eat cannot convey that to someone else. That's Ravina's position. Rav Amar says, 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 Rav comes about, full He says, no. Let's be honest. Rav Amar says, even Avde Malug should be able to teach shuma. Right, saying, why should Avde Malug be able to eat Truma? Because they enjoy a financial relationship to the Kohanic husband. Listen to this. The stepped in and said, We don't want the Avde Mulug to eat Truma. And I'll tell you why, Yabo saying. Because we want the woman to get out of this marriage. We want to make it uncomfortable for her. Because remember again, this is an illegal marriage. This is an almanatua koin gadol. Watch this. What is she going to say? Kadeshatomar. She'll look around at her circumstances. She said, Listen, now I married the Kohen Gadol, and yet I, the wife, can't eat Truma. Avadai, my servants, right? My Avde Malug, in an can't eat Truma. Zona he etzla, I guess I must just be like his Zona. In other words, when the wife looks around at her circumstances, it's going to make her uncomfortable. Right? Why? Because Lamaisa, she's going to see she's not a real wife. She's not a real wife. Because there are certain entitlements that a wife would have and she does not have them. The hope is that this will make her feel like, I guess I'm not a wife, I'm just a zona, right? In other words, that, that I have none of the rights that a normal wife would have. And hopefully this will lead to the dissolution of the marriage. So I will say, remember again, this is an illegal marriage. We want them to get divorced. So essentially, what, the, what, what Rav is saying is really fascinating. You really, right, then you're right. Not just Avdei Tson Barza, but even Avdei Malug should be able to eat Truma, Because Halach Lama anyone who is financially related to the coin has the right to eat Truma. Chazal stepped in and said, we don't want the Avdei Malug, right? Because again, we want her to feel uncomfortable. We want her to look around at its marriage and to see how wrong it is. And hopefully that'll lead to the dissolution. Ravashi Yamar, Kazer HaShem Tachil HaAcha Ravashi is the truth is, there's another reason if we allow Avde Malug to eat Truma while the husband is alive, the concern is they may come to eat it even after the husband is dead. Now, we'll say, and that's a real problem. So we will say, why are we worried about that in a general case? Of a Basi who marries a coin, we should say that even her Avde Malug shouldn't be able to eat Truma out of the concern that when the husband dies, they're going to continue to eat Truma, to which the Gemara says, you're right. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Ba'amana We're talking about a very specific situation where we're talking about an we Well say, what's the case in the Mishnah? A Kohen Gadol who married an Amana, but an Amana herself from a Kohanic family. This woman, we're concerned that she's gonna justify the continued consumption of truma by her avdeim Malog. Why? Originally, when I was single, ultimately again, my Avadim ate from the truma of my father's home. Now I married the Kohen Gadol, and the Kohen Gadol, ultimately again, my slaves ate truma in his home. And what's gonna happen? Therefore, when her husband dies, she's going to assume the Hashtah, She's going to assume, okay, I'm right back where I started, right? Like before my marriage, my Avadim were eating truma. Now also they could eat truma. In the beginning, before she got married to the Kohen Gadol, she was just a widow and again, the daughter of a Kohen. That's why her, her Avadim were eating truma. Now that she illegally married a Kohen Gadol, she is a chalala, and as a chalala, hashda shavisei nafshi chalala. Ultimately, again, she's now a chalala, and therefore, again, she can't eat truma, and her avodim can't eat truma. So that makes sense if you're setting up the case of the Mishnah of an Ammona kohenes who married the kohen gadol. Amonah bas yisrael ma'ikal emimar. But to say, what's the concern in a case of Amonas bas yisrael? So to which the Gemara says that Lopalig I will say we did not start sparsing halachas in a case of amana rather we treat all cases of amana the same so therefore I will say what it comes out over here is as follows no one's disputing the halacha the halacha is that when when there is an illegal marriage to a coin okay and the woman in question is bringing in avadim fundamental question can the avadim eat truma or not the Mishnah makes a distinction if they're avde barzel, Barzal, where essentially the husband assumes complete responsibility for their value, they become like the property of the husband, the Kohen, and therefore they can eat Truma. When they are Avdei Malug, Avdei nichse Malug, ultimately, again, they, in that case, the husband gets usage, but does not assume responsibility for the value. Those are the property of the woman, and ultimately, again, cannot eat Truma. I will say, what we have demonstrated from the Gemara is that really Midda'u Raisa, even Avde Mulug should be able to eat Truma because anyone who is financially linked to the coin has the right to eat Truma. We've just seen multiple different things that Hazal were concerned about, and therefore Chazal stepped in and prohibited Avde Mulug from consuming Truma either because we want to make the woman uncomfortable. Or we're actually concerned that after the death of the Kohen, the woman is going to think that the Avodim can continue to teach Ruma, when in fact that is not true. Okay, good. Rabo says that's the first piece of It's Itmar, interesting case. Hamach Shumla Baylo Hiomeres vu omer damimani no sein hadinimi. Rabo say this is a fascinating case. Watch this. Watch this. Let's say a woman brings in property into a marriage. Forgive us, for just a moment. She brings in, she brings in uh, a Rolex watch. Right? She brings in a Rolex watch. And what happens? It's worth uh, $20,000. Okay? Now they're getting divorced. They're getting divorced. Okay? So, say, so what happens when you get divorced? Husband has an obligation to give back the property. He says, I'm not giving the property. I'll give you $20,000. I, I like the watch right? I've gotten used to wearing the watch. It's nice, right? I'm not giving you the watch, but I'm going to give you the money. I guaranteed a watch for $20,000. Here's a check, $20,000. What does she say? What does she say? I want the watch. It's a family heirloom, right? That was my father's watch, my grandfather's watch, my great-grandfather's watch. I want the watch. Shabbat so we'll says, who, who, who does the halacha side with? In other words, What's the halakh on we'll Such a fundamental case. What's the halakh on this case? Look at Rashi. The husband essentially is saying, Is, you know, wife, once you brought this watch into the marriage and I guaranteed the value, essentially what happened? The watch became mine. The watch became mine. I'm only on the hook for the value, not for the watch. So I'm keeping the watch. Here's the check for 20000 She says, I, No. She says, you guarantee the item. Obviously, if the item were not to be in existence, you'd have to pay me the money. But the said, if the item is in existence, I'm the right to take that back. So what's that? Who's that halacha with? Rabbi Huda, Rabbi, Huda says, Rabbi Huda says, Rabbi Huda says, the halacha is with her. Namely, Rabbi says, again, that she has the right to take back the watch. Rabbi Ami, Amr, had a very exciting game. right? This feels like a, like a, like a, Rabbi Ami says, no, the din is with him. And therefore, halacha la maisa, I will say to be clear, he's obligated for the 20,000, right? But he's allowed to keep the watch. So let's analyze. So this is will say, let's analyze the positions. Rabbi Huda Omrah din Imah, Rabbi Huda says, the halacha is with her, is with her. Well, I listen to this phrase, Shevach Beis Aviho Didohi. Then I will say, the Lash Novi something very interesting. Shevach Beis Aviho means property that she brought from her father's home, she has a connection to. In other words, we'll say, this is not just stamp property This is, it could be dowry, it could be other things. The point over here is, there's a familial connection she has to this property. So it's understood that of course, if this property is still in existence at the time of the dissolution of the marriage, that property is hers, Shavach Beis which literally means the property of her father's home. She has a connection to Rabbi Abi Omar. Rabbi Ami says, no, the din is with him. And Rabbi Abi Abi says something amazing. Who has complete, total, and absolute responsibility for this property when she brings it into the marriage? Who, who has it? He does. So if it appreciates, the appreciation is his. If it depreciates, the depreciation is, say, if somebody steals the Rolex, what's the halacha? Who's on the hook? Who's on the hook? He is. Rabbi Ami sees this type of absolute achrayist, responsibility, essentially as what? Ownership. Such a fascinating episode. Absolute responsibility means ownership. Means ownership. Says Degi Marzabal, says this is machlokis. What a great machlokis. What a great machlokis. Amor of Safra, Rav Safra says, first of all, Rabbi Ami, calm down, right? You're, you're, looking as, you're looking at Achrayis as ownership. You're looking at Achrayis as ownership. They will say, does the Gemara say that when he takes Achrayis, the item belongs to him? It doesn't say that, right? It never says, V'hein Shalom. I'm sorry, V'hein Shalom. Does it say that there is? V'hein katani? So we'll say essentially Revsarfas push back Rabbi Ami. Rabbi Ami, that's that's a big jump. That's a big jump. All the Gemara tells us is that when a woman brings in nich son barzel, the husband assumes complete responsibility for that item. But complete responsibility does not translate into ownership. That's a jump. That's a jump. Complete responsibility means just that. You're completely responsible for the item. But in no way does that convey to you ownership. So I'll we'll say, is that true? That in any situation, ultimately, and I will say, now, just to be clear, just to be clear, we're jumping backwards. So we're stopping here. here here's a macholkes, right? So macholkes is, barzel, woman brings into the marriage the Rolex, right? barzel means it's written in the ksuva. I'm bringing a Rolex into the marriage that's worth $20,000, Husband agrees to, to take full responsibility for the value. Now they're getting divorced. She wants the watch. He says, no, here's $20,000. So who does the halacha follow? So again, you have Rabbi Huda saying hers. Shevach imah. Rabbi Ami saying no complete. Since he took complete achrayis, complete achrayis is tantamount to ownership. So, we'll say, so now let's take a step back for just a moment. Now the Yimah saying, oh, okay. So now I get it. When the woman brought in Avdet Son Barzel, right? Servants, Son Barzel servants, they were allowed to eat Truma. Why? Now we understand. Because since the husband has complete achrayas, therefore what? Therefore what? It's as if he owns them, right? And therefore, halakh alam they eat Truma. To which the game of the koheikh of the and achli akhlibachruma is that true? So any situation where a coin where, where has achrayas, right? They eat, they eat Truma. What? Now we learn, here we go. Listen to this case. A Yisrael rents a cow from a kohen. truma. listen to this. Can Yisrael feed the cow of a kohen truma? Now remember, normally the animals of a kohen are permitted to eat truma. So I'm Yisrael, I rented a cow from a kohen. I want to feed, this is great, this is great. I'll just feed him truma, right? Instead of giving away my truma to a kohen, I'm just going to use my truma to go ahead and feed this animal. Is that permitted? To which the Gemara says, yes. Yes, why? I will say, why? Because Lamaisa, even though Ami saw renting the animal, who does the animal belong to? The coin. It's a Kohanic animal. Therefore, Truma. Kohen, Yisrael. But I will Alach Lamaisa, a coin who rented apart from Yisrael. Afa Even though the coin has the obligation to go in and feed the animal, lo yach Karshine Truma. You can't go ahead and feed it Truma you can't feed it Truma. Then I will say, now this is very interesting. Why, even though in this case the coin does have responsibility for the animal, yet what? He's not allowed to go ahead and feed it Truma. To so say, so what do you see from here? You see from here that even when you have responsibility over things, that doesn't automatically entitle you to Truma. If that's the case, that even though the coin has the responsibility for the Nichsayt's son barzel for the Ab Abdets' own why does that enable them to eat Truma? To which the rest of the one second. When you borrow something from someone, Tizbara, Nihinami Va'aveda, the O Dama, Mi So say one second, one second. When you borrow something from someone, or I should say, it's not when you borrow. This is not a case of borrowing. This is a case of schirus, of renting. When you are a renter, does a renter have complete responsibility over something? And the answer is no, right? A renter has responsibility, for, for example, theft or loss. But let's say again a lightning bolt came out and struck the cow dead, right? Is the renter chayyah for that? And the answer is no. That's called an ones, an extenuating circumstance. So perhaps the only time we say that, some, that, that the coin enables the evati truma is when there's complete responsibility. This is not a good comparison. Halo damiya, our mission is only comparable to the safe. What's the safe? Here we go. Yisrael sham paramikoin. We'll say, here's the case. The Israel went ahead and rented, rented a cow from a coin but the nature of the rental was that they assessed the value of the cow and the Israel guaranteed the value so for some reason there's some diminution in the value of the cow I agree to make you whole so what's truma. in that case the Israel can't feed the Kohanic animal Truma because now the animal almost becomes the property of the Israel Kashini But ultimately, again, if a Kohen goes ahead and rents a cow from Yisrael and guarantees the value, Halochalamisi can feed it Truma. So we'll say that's a more comparable case. Yosef Rab Rab Yosef, b'shili Rab Nachman. So Rabbi, and Rabbi Yosef were sitting together at the end of the of Rab Nachman. The Yosef, Amri and they came along and they said, Tanya Yehuda. Tanya Kava Ami. There's a brayzir say, that supports both of these opinions: the opinion of Rabbi Huda and the opinion of Rabbi Ami. I will say We'll stop over here for today. We'll pick up Amirat Hashem with these brayzas tomorrow, and I will say We'll get to the resolution of the sugya. Really fascinating sugya. Amirat Hashem resolution tomorrow. Shkoyach.